Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Being Better with Brittany. Um, how fun was last week. I love Jody Stallings so much and I'm so thankful that he was able to come in and and talk with me. Um, He's just, I can't recommend his articles and his column enough to people. Um, And he was so easy to talk to. So I'm glad uh, I was able to have him and you guys seem to to really like that. I got so many episode five was my favorite messages. So, um, so that was really cool. Um, this week, what I wanted to do, I um, I had kind of put it out there for people to, um, you know, ask me questions or give me scenarios that you are struggling with at home or um, with yourself. And naturally, I got uh, a lot of response from from parents um, about things. I got some not so parenty uh, things, so I'll have to save those for another episode. But um, most of the parenting things I I wanted to cover and then give some solutions for. So, um, so I'll read through some of the things that I got just to give you some context on you know what I'm talking about and uh, and then kind of rationalize them for you and then give my own advice on what I would do or what I would coach parents to do. Um, so first, first off, uh, a client of mine, um, she actually mentioned this a couple weeks ago and I, I made a little mental note that, um, you know, we've got to, got to talk about this because it comes up so much. Um, but you know, she emailed me and was like, Hey, Brittany, now that summer's starting, I'm starting to notice that my, my son is getting extra not violent, um, but just extra um, aggressive with my daughter. And, you know, he's he's had issues with this for a while, and I just don't know how to handle this sibling rivalry. So then, of course, cue me opening things up. And um, so many people <laughs> message me about sibling rivalry. Like, summer's so fun for parents. I just can't even imagine, especially with multiple kids. Um, so sibling rivalry comes up a lot and, and that makes sense because all of a sudden you're spending your whole day with this, this other person who is, uh, not your age. You have to share the spotlight with them. 
it, you know, things, things can get a little, a little funky. So, um, first and foremost on sibling rivalry, it's, it's totally normal. It's, I mean, it's not, I get a lot of the time parents being like, I just, I'm so afraid. Like, what if she hates her sister or, you know, she's just downright mean or he's just mean. And I just, I really feel like they just hate each other. No, it's, um, I mean, if you're someone who has siblings, you get it, obviously. Um, but there's, there's actually this whole like evolutionary basis behind it. So, um, way, way, way long ago, uh, I feel like I should have like a monocle and a pipe while I'm talking about this, uh, like that. But so keep in mind at, at this point in time, there was a lot of like child mortality. And so there's data that shows that sibling rivalries like so profound that in hundreds of years ago, kids under five with siblings close in age were more likely to die, which is horrible and obviously not something hopefully that's going to happen now. But sibling rivalry then serves a developmental purpose. So if you think about it, it helps kids figure out what's unique and special about themselves. They're, they're kind of fighting for your attention. Behaviorally speaking, when a kid starts acting out, let's say your oldest child is acting out and um, is always kind of aggressing towards your younger. So if you think of it in their head, for a while, this older child was the star of the show, gets to be the only child, gets all the attention from mom and dad and grandparents and whoever else, and then all of a sudden this little thing comes along that they did not ask for, even though sometimes they probably did. And then now this baby, this younger sibling, is getting all the attention that they want for all the great things that they're doing. Now this older child is going to start doing whatever they need to for your attention. And sometimes, not by any fault of your own, that tends to, they get your attention by doing the wrong things. So once they get that attention, whether it's, positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement, that's what they want. They just want that acknowledgement. They want your attention. So in that instance, what I usually direct people to do is, one, pay attention to what sets them off. If it seems to be like, for example, this the, the person who wrote in to me um, had said that it, it seems to happen a lot when something that there's an item involved, a tangible item, and that item is perceived as, well, that's mine. She can't play with that. That's mine. I don't want her touching it. In that instance, remind your children nothing in your house is is theirs that is that tangible. You bought it. It's You, you don't have to call it your. Just say, don't even give it any sort of like property value. So our bike is going to go back in the garage until we can play nicely with it. Or the squirt gun is going to go back in the toy chest until we can play nicely with it. Or you can show me that you can be a responsible play partner. Make sure you're paying attention to when things start because then you can kind of jump in beforehand. If you know they always argue over the bike or the scooter, whatever, 
then beforehand you can say, I'm going to bring out the item. When you're playing with it with your sister, this is what I expect. If it doesn't go that way, then here's what's going to happen. One, you put the expectations out there. Two, they know exactly what's going to happen. And three, you better have your consequence ready and <laughs> follow through with it, which I'll get I'll get to enforcing consequences later. But um, so after that, give them some space, give them some time to, you know, see if they can work it out. If they can't, don't do anything while they're emotional. That doesn't have you ever like been in a fight with a, a friend or a spouse or anything and you're all and you're like, whoa, I should calm down. Like, no, you're things are heightened. Nothing is gonna happen from from that. Um so, you know, when they're calm, help them work through the the conflict. It's totally fine to to get frustrated with somebody. And um, you know, they're the other thing to remember is they're gonna fight with or without your interference. So whether you get involved or not, they're going to fight. They're going to argue. They're, they're going to, you know, disagree on things. So keep that in mind. You can't always solve every problem. I know that's, that's tough as a parent because you, you know, I want them to love each other and I want everyone to get along. But sometimes you just don't. Um, and then, you know, if it continues – and it's nothing that's, you know, really detrimental to anyone's safety or psyche, anything like that. Um, it's totally fine to ignore that behavior until it's where you'd like to see. So if they're yelling at each other, don't say anything. Just wait until they're doing something appropriately together and then comment on that. Then involve yourself. Like, I love how nicely you guys are playing together. It's so nice to see you guys getting along. Um I feel like that ignoring things is is the hardest for anyone to do. Um, any of the the teachers that have worked with me who are listening to this are probably like, um, oh god, this is the millionth time I've heard her say no. But Siri, ig- ignore it. It is totally fine to ignore behavior that you are not interested in or don't want to see, as long as it's you know not a safety issue. So. That's my rant on on sibling rivalry. It's it's normal. It it's it's developmentally appropriate. Um, you'll get through it. I, you know, it's always to every kid, especially uh, again if you have siblings, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's there's always this perception that like so and so is is the favorite, and they always get what they want, and they always this that and the other thing. Mom, just in case you're listening to this, uh, we all know it's Natalie. So just going to put that out there to the public. But um, so, you know, it, it, it makes sense that that would that that would cause some some issues in your in your family structure. And, you know, make time for for each of your kids and, you know, make sure everyone is is getting what they need love wise. And, you know, it's um, it's a work in progress, but everyone everyone goes through it. So um, my next question was, um, from a friend of mine, uh, currently has a, a blended family situation. Um, her partner has, uh, two children from another marriage. And, um, so right now they're, 
they're working through that scenario, which is also a whole other um, issue. Um, not issue for them, but, you know, that's a whole other topic to, to talk about. And um, so one of the things that she had said is, is a struggle for them currently is um, I feel like, you know, they're constantly underfoot or always within earshot. I don't really like the answer to ask for private moments. Like kids should occasionally entertain themselves so adults can have unbridled conversation naturally, not scheduled or after bedtime. So kind of a balance of too much versus not enough attention. Constant interruption uh, doesn't facilitate conversation. Can be random child-appropriate topics. It's just the feeling of being, you know, always watched or always listened to that's bothersome. So couple of just my own thoughts on this. Um, so one, it, yeah, there's the thing about kids is it, they are always around. And even when they're not around, they are always listening. Um, my older stepsister uh, used to drive my mom nuts because she could be like in the shower on like the fifth floor of a building and the parents could be down like in the basement whispering about something and somehow she'd hear it. Like it was just like unavoidable. So yeah, there's, there are some things that you just, when kids are around, you just have to accept that, you know, that their little ears are listening. They absorb everything. They're little sponges. Um, and you know, in a perfect world, yeah, you get to have these private conversations and, um, you know, talk with your spouse or partner, whoever, without any listening ears. But the reality of that is it's just, it's simply not going to happen. Um, and, you know, you can, there's the option of, you know, speaking in code, but I personally, just if you have to speak in code, you probably don't have to speak it right then and there. So um, what you can do, and I know the request was to not ask for private moments, but, you know, kids look to adults for behavioral boundaries. So if you're modeling to them asking for space and asking for um, time to yourself, then that itself is teaching them to then do that for themselves as well. And then it builds this this level of trust and a... Um, you know, shows them how relationships work. You do for me, I do for you. And once that trust is involved, then you have this, you know, unspoken promise that like, if I say I'm going to do something for you, I'm, I'm going to do it. And that sense of security is where you'll find the best results. And the thing about kids is kids need boundaries. Boundaries make kids feel so secure. They make adults feel secure. Um, and kids feel insecure when they don't have clear limits. Boundaries, what those do for people is they create predictability, and then that predictability reduces anxiety. So, for example, I anyone who has any run-in with, you know, the law, police, um, that can be a really anxiety-provoking uh, situation. But I know if a police officer pulls me over when I was speeding, I know the result of that is going to probably be a ticket. 
So I'm not, you know, behind the wheel, just like losing my mind over, you know, oh God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I know exactly what's going to happen. So yeah, it sucks. And I'm like, oh shit, I knew what I was doing, but it's predictable. I know exactly what's going to happen. And I know that that boundary is there for my own safety and security. Um, the other thing boundaries do is it allows that power struggle to be taken away from the situation. So um, I always say if you're, if you're arguing with a child, you've already lost. There's no, there's no benefit to it. You're not going to get anywhere. It makes you look weak. And children should never feel or be more powerful or in control than the adults. So you make the rules, you set the boundaries. So what you can do is have a reasonable conversation with these tiny humans and simply say, hey, after dinner, I need you and your brother, sister, whatever, um, to go downstairs to the basement and have some, um, you know, playtime yourselves while dad and I clean up and, and talk. And if they ask why, that's okay too. You can be, be honest with them. You don't have to, you know, give every little detail. You don't have to fully explain yourself just because sometimes adults have things that they need to talk about that you don't need to worry about because, you know, you're a kid. You should be having fun. This conversation isn't, isn't that fun. We're just going to talk about, you know, bills and blah, blah, blah. So you guys go downstairs and play. And then uh, when we're finished, dad and I will come downstairs and, and we'll all play together. So one, you're you're calmly asking for what you need. You're setting that boundary that they need to go to a separate space so that you two can have your talking time. And then, as promised, after you all reconvene and you have quality time together so they don't feel like they're left out from something. Um, it's when they feel like they're left, you know, because, again, they're little sponges. They can hear, like, if an argument's about to happen or you're talking about something really juicy, um, They'll hear that, you know, your tone changes, you're all of a sudden, you're excited or laughing about something. They want to be a part of that, which is totally natural. I want to be a part of that if I hear somebody laughing or excited or, um, you know, you're talking about something that's like a little controversial. Like, yeah, sign me up for that for sure. Uh, kids are the same way. Um, so you you set that boundary. You have to follow through with it, figure out what you know, if they do come up or you do have constant interruptions, you know, set that set that boundary and the expectation of unless, you know, someone's hurt, bleeding, maimed, I, something, um, there's no interrupting this. I And if you have someone who's constantly interrupting, tried and true broken record technique works every time. I will speak to you when I'm done speaking to dad. I will speak to you when I'm done speaking to dad. They're going to get sick of hearing it, but eventually they're going to know if they come up and interrupt, that's what you're going to say. That's not interesting, blah, blah, blah. You'll, you'll see exactly what you want as long as you stick through to it and follow through with what you say. So um, the other thing with boundaries too is, so when if you don't set these boundaries with kids, I know it seems like, you know, I'm the adult. I shouldn't have to ask for these things. But, um, again, these are these are tiny humans. They haven't been around that long. They're learning from, from us. And 
you know, a kid without boundaries who is able to just make all the choices, make all the big decisions, um, you're one creating an entitled monster. So we don't want that obviously, unless you do. And then that's your jam, but, uh, not something I would, I would suggest. Um, so, you know, when we, when we let these tiny humans call all the shots for us and sort of take control of the family and the decisions and all these things that like, that's a person whose brain is not developed fully. <laughs> like, and if an adult had an, an underdeveloped brain, you probably wouldn't listen to them or let them run things for you. So why would you do that with a child? You'd be like, I mean, and unless, you know, um, you're of the mindset that like less brain equals more decisions, like, okay, well then, so did like, do you bring your child with you to like take a loan out, like consult them on the interest rates, make them your power of attorney? (laughs) Why would you do that? Asking their opinions and for their input, totally healthy, totally reasonable. So when setting these boundaries, um, you know, include them in the conversation. Like, what do you think is an appropriate time that you would be interested in playing by yourself? Usually they'll give you something pretty reasonable. Sometimes it's ridiculous. Like, you know, if they don't know numbers, they'll just spew something like, I want a thousand minutes. Okay, that sounds great. Um, I would love for you to play for a thousand minutes without without the rest of us. So go for it. Um, But... The other thing is, you know, if with the conversations around kids with those underdeveloped uh, frontal lobes, so if you're talking about things that, that kids either shouldn't or don't need to hear, one, they probably don't have a lot of information about what you're talking about. So the scary thing there is, what they're then going to do is fill in the gaps for themselves with the information that they already have in their head, which is horrifying. <laughs> they can take away a negative message. Like, let's say you're, um, God, Claire was being such an asshole today. I just really, I mean, she's just whining and the negotiating and the blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, let's say Claire's in the other room. All she hears is Claire's such an asshole. And she knows that that's a bad word. She knows that that's a bad thing. And now she thinks mom hates her. When really, mom's just having a confiding moment with with dad and should be left to just adults. But, you know, again, they're little ears. They hear it. Um, They can misinterpret the information and, and then come to a wrong conclusion. So, you know, dad's talking about a, a new office uh, building being opened in Texas and wouldn't it be so nice to live in Texas and blah, blah, blah. You're just having this, this casual conversation about, you know, you hear the weather in Texas is great or not. And, uh, the kid hears it and then thinks, oh my gosh, we're moving to Texas. I'm going to lose all my friends. I'm never going to see my family again. We're going to have to sell our house. What if I hate it? That like a, a whole thing. Like they just, they go right off the deep end. So it's really never a good idea to have those conversations when they're around anyway. So, yeah, it, you may not want to only have them when the kids go to bed or when they're not around, but sometimes you just you have to. Um, it's the, the price of parenthood. Hopefully, you know, that's 
it's easier for you to to handle than um you know it seems and hopefully it doesn't get um you know in the way of of any relationships but i think um again it's just it's a really great opportunity to to model the behavior that you would like to see in other situations and um and again it's 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 totally fine to be honest with them you're going to get way better results than just you know barking out an order um you know when you say dad and i just need some time to talk just talking about adult things it's nothing but whatever you do downstairs with your sibling is going to be way more fun than what we're doing um we can't wait to come down and play with you when we're finished so um so yeah hopefully i'm i'll be interested to hear uh how that works out because um i have a good feeling if you if you pull through with that you'll um you'll be pleasantly surprised with with the results um another issue that was that was raised in this same conversation is um is the defiance of it so let's say you set those boundaries and you're met with an immediate i don't want to or no or um uh, uh, so many parents of like little kids um every every parent with little kids knows that their favorite word once they learn it no 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 okay that's no is one of my least favorite responses because like like I just said, okay, I, I well, but yes, though, I, what do we, so now where do we go? <laughs> so one thing on that end where I noticed it comes up the most is um, I'll see people asking the kids whose favorite word is no, yes, no questions, where the answer is only yes or no. Why are you asking this tiny tyrant a yes or no question when you know even if they want to say yes, they are going to say no. You don't have to ask a yes or no question. You can ask choices. Hey, do you want to go play upstairs or downstairs while dad and I talk? Do you want to play outside or do you want to play school down in the basement? Anything that they can't say no or they could say, I don't want to do either of those things. Okay, what would you like to do? Still not a yes or no question. It, they appropriately expressed, I don't want, I don't want to play those things. I don't like those choices. Okay, well, there you go. Simple as that. You don't have to worry about the, the defiance. And if they, if they don't do as asked, you have to have a consequence ready, which, again, the enforcing consequences, like we said last week, if you are going to give a, a threat, take away a privilege, anything like that, you need to be ready to have that locked and loaded. You're going to follow through on it. Um, don't do it when you're upset. You can. There's nothing wrong with telling a, a child, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what I want to do about this. I'm going to need to take some time and, and think about it, and we can talk about it when we're, we're both less emotional. Um, there's just... You lose so much control immediately when you don't follow through with a consequence. The other thing that's a favorite is, you know, say, saying a consequence or saying a, a threat multiple times. You are the adult. 
they are the child. I know sometimes it's, okay, so 10 minutes has passed and now they're doing the annoying thing again or they're refusing something again. Okay, yeah, maybe they forgot, maybe whatever. Okay, well, you remember what I said if this was going to happen again. So now I'm going to have to, whatever your consequence was. Either way, follow through. You, you don't need to ask a child something more than once. I know that's going to sound insane and everyone's going to be like, but Brittany, you don't have kids. You wouldn't know. Yes, I do. I do know. I've worked with so many, so many families, so many students, so many. I promise you, you don't have to say something more than once if you don't want to. If you're saying it more than once, you wanted to. You have full control of that. Also, if you've already done the successful boundary setting, once is all it'll t- need to take because it's predictable. They'll know you mean what you say when you say it, and there won't need to be a discussion about it. There won't need to be reminders. Make sure those consequences, too, natural consequences, like I've said over and over again, that those are way better teachers than anything else. They're immediate. They directly affect the child, they directly affect the situation. So, um, for example, I had a client the other day who uh, time management is a, a, a real issue in their house. So, so getting the kids up and ready and moving in the morning, getting you know, dressed for school or camp or whatever it is. Um, and then, you know, then the breakfast bargaining and then, oh, well, I wanted to bring this, this and this, but I forgot this. Uh, we have to go. I have to run back inside. No, 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 no. So she was like, I just don't know a natural consequence in in that s- situation. I was like, well, luckily I have several. One, if they're not dressed and, and ready by, you know, okay, you have five minutes to get dressed and be downstairs for breakfast. Um, if you're not dressed, you're going to have to come downstairs and, and have, you know, breakfast in your pajamas. And if you're not done eating and changed by, you know, 10, 15 minutes later when we have to leave, then you might have to go to camp in your pajamas, and that's going to be pretty embarrassing for you, not for me. So, you know, up to you, totally your choice. Give that to them. And then I, I, I promise you the natural consequence of having to do that is going to be, uh, that's, now I'm in my pajamas. I can't believe. It sounds horrible, but those are the, like, those are the best teachers ever they can't blame you for it because you gave multiple chances you gave multiple reminders they made that choice they can only be upset with themselves they'll try to be mad at you and that's fine five minutes later they're going to need something from you and suddenly you're the best mommy or daddy in the world and look at that so natural consequence number one number two which this is uh so many parents are going to be like, oh, my God, this lady is insane. Um, but you can you can leave if they're not an infant or any, you can leave without your child. At least pull out, of, go, start to pull out of the driveway. They are going to lose their shit. They're, <laughs> they will not do that again. Promise you. If they know that you mean what you say, I am leaving. I'm leaving at 945 if you are not ready, you're not going, I guess. It's especially easy, you know, when you have a, a spouse or somebody else in the house that's like, 
at least there to, you know, safely watch the kid. I'm not saying just like willy nilly leave your kids at home alone. Um, but yeah, basically just to give that natural, I said I was leaving and, and when you weren't ready, the natural consequence to that is uh, then I guess you're not going. Same with, um, you know, natural consequences of, okay, so if I asked you to clean your room and you didn't, then while we're doing something fun outside, I guess you're going to be cleaning your room. There's no other options. There's no other, there's not, uh, or you can sit on the couch on your iPad or blah, blah, blah. No, the only thing you're able to do right now is clean your room or that's it. Like, so when you're done cleaning your room, you can come out and join us if we're still playing. But that's it. Another uh, question that was that was raised in this was, um, so it's summertime, we're outside and pools and slip and slides and all sorts of fun outdoor activities and squirt. So, God, at our pool, like there's there's always kids just like squirting their parents and stuff in the face, and <laughs> it's so like just five times like. If you don't stop it, I'm going to take it away. If you don't stop, I'm going to take it away. And then, like, well, of course they're going to keep doing it because you keep saying it and not taking it away. So if you don't follow your consequence immediately, then what have you, what have you taught them? What have you done? It's not, it's not going to mean anything, and you want it to mean something because, again, our kids are looking at us for behavioral boundaries, and they want predictability. They want to know that they're they're safe and that they're, you know, secure and otherwise they're just gonna be anxious and they're gonna you know, be little assholes. I don't think that's what anyone really wants. So um again, unless you're like, no, yeah, asshole kids are my jam. I want this so bad. Um so you have all the control in the situation you have all the control of how you react um which again is is really it, it's comforting to know that and it's also a little bit scary because you're like well, what if I do the wrong thing that's also perfect opportunity to show some humility to kids be like you know what I I was really angry before when I when I said um that I was going to take away your cell phone and car keys for a month I realize that that is not something that that can be done, and that's not a fair consequence um, for what happened. So, you know, I'm 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 sorry that I I spoke out of emotion. Let's let's talk this through right now. It, modeling that kind of behavior for kids, even you know, tweens, teens, whoever, young adults, um, it it shows them you know what we expect, and that we're not going to ask them for anything that we wouldn't do ourselves. So you're building that trust, you're building that understanding, and you're building, you know, the, the basic foundations of all relationships that they'll have with you, with their siblings, with their friends, their future relationships. Uh, there's really no wrong that can come from it when, you know, you, you make a mistake and you own it or um, you need to kind of take a step back and, like, reevaluate things. We want them to do that, too. We don't want it to... Uh, to turn into, well, you said, and so-and-so said, okay, yes, I, I realize that. Now I'm telling you that that was a mistake. Everyone makes mistakes. Here we are. So I, I know it's, it's difficult, and I'm, I'm happy to, um, if there's 
a situation that kind of hits home while you're listening to this and you have a scenario that you would like to uh, reach out and, and work through with me, I'm, I'm more than happy to help. Um, as always, you can email me at uh, Brittany at two things.com. I, I love as specific as you can, even if it's, you're like, I really messed up. Like I, I'm, I'm the idiot in this situation. It's, it is fine. There's probably something that I'll need from someone at some point where like, I don't have the answer. That's why we're, we reach out, we, we ask for help. No shame in it whatsoever. Plus I love this. Went to school for it. Got into a little bit of student loan debt for it. I love this. I wouldn't have done it if I didn't want to. So please feel free to reach out. Um, and thank you again so much for listening. I really appreciate, um, you know, everyone taking the time to to listen and and message me and you know tell me what's what's been helpful and what's what's been uh, productive for them. So um, I will have to definitely do this again because I didn't have uh, I didn't have enough time to get to everyone's things. So if I didn't get to um, a situation that you wrote in for. Uh, don't worry, coming soon. Um, but yeah, remember to uh, like, share, comment. Um, I've gotten so much great feedback. It's really, uh, I can't say enough good things about it. So um, continue to do so on either Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your uh, podcasts. And thanks again for coming back to be better. Mm-hmm.